Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks, we take a look back at the fourth quarter in Utah, but really what we've seen from the Bucks this weekend. It seems like there's been an interesting reaction from some of us versus Bucks fans in what you've seen over the weekend, and especially that loss to the Jazz. We'll dive into that and a look at the numbers. Again, it's a very small sample, but what we're starting to see since the coaching change with this defense specifically. And lastly, one very interesting name surfaced as being linked to the Bucks. We'll dig into the latest on the trade rumors as we move closer and closer to this week's trade deadline. All of that coming up on the latest Locked On Bucks. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network, joined by Camille Davis. You can hear her on the Technical Foul podcast and the Carry the G in MKE podcast as well. And we both thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and viewable on YouTube as well, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Uh, Camille, you and Frank handled the postgame in that disappointing loss in the way that that fourth quarter unfolded to the Jazz uh, last night. But we were talking as we were getting set up for the show of, you know, it seemed like you and I, and I would assume Frank as well, we're all kind of aligned of yeah, it's a it's a bummer and it's a disappointment to lose a game. You're up by 19. You're led by double digits going into the fourth quarter. But I didn't feel doom and gloom coming out of that, that, you know, by and large, I liked what I saw. And I know people get sick of the excuses and it's it's impossible to quantify just how much rest played into it. But it was night two of a back-to-back. You didn't arrive in Utah until 2 a.m. on game day. There's an altitude change. You didn't have Chris Middleton. You didn't have Brooke Lopez. That last part especially loomed large in the fourth quarter. And you were right there in it. In the fourth quarter, did you fall apart? Sure. But all those misses, they were short on them, which kind of backs up. This was a tired team. And I think if you looked at what you saw in the first three quarters, and the last three quarters in Dallas the night before, I leave the weekend even with a one and th- one and one record, saying, "I like where this is headed." Yeah, it makes me think like, what is the difference between an excuse and the difference between a reason? Like that—that's always so interesting to me because you can say like, "Hey, here are what the Bucks were up against coming into this game," or "Here are the reality of what they were facing coming into this game." And even if it's a reason in your mind, it might be an excuse to somebody else, just depending on how they want to take that information. But like you mentioned, I that Utah game—it was like I wish we could have got the win. If the Bucks would have held on to that win, it would have been a pretty impressive win, in my opinion, because it was second. I have a back-to-back. You don't have Brooke Lopez, who's been out this weekend with personal reasons. You didn't have Chris Middleton in this game. And Doc Rivers didn't really elongate the rotation that much. Like we saw A.J. Green come in, but we saw him against the Mavericks. He had more minutes, of course, against Utah. But it's not as if we saw Marjan getting a lot of tick or Andre Jackson Jr. Or even Robin Lopez playing more minutes in this particular game, which for some is probably a good good thing that he didn't um, based on how he started the game. But 
it was a great effort in three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, they just completely lost the rope, ran out of gas. Like it just, it fell apart in the fourth quarter. And it's disappointing for sure, but it's not something that I'm angry about uh, because as odd as this sounds, I feel like the Bucks have looked a lot better uh, under Doc than they have under Adrian Griffin, although the record has been worse under Doc than it has been uh, under Griff, which feels like a backwards world, which makes me think about when Griff got fired. And the question was, why do you fire a coach when they are second in the East with this type of record? And I kept saying it has to come down to the fact that the process wasn't matching the results. Players still weren't sure about what their roles were, what schemes were, what they should be doing. A lot of confusion, and it just didn't inspire much confidence that it was a sustainable way to win. But rather what I'm seeing with Doc so far are, at the very minimum, just scheme where the players seem to understand what they're doing. Uh, they seem to be talking a lot more. It just seems to be better connected at the moment, although the results aren't currently what we want them to be. And that's something that Doc even warned us about. He said, hey, we're implementing some new things and like the earlier results might not come, but like we're going to get there as long as they continue to follow the process. So I don't want to borrow from 76ers fans and say trust the process uh, because we've seen how that has gone, especially now. now. So I don't want to say that, but it just has looked a little bit better for the Bucs in a more sustainable way that can lead to more victories, although we haven't seen them early on. Yeah, and um, it's, I think, clearly trending in the right direction and Giannis after the game last night had said when he was asked about where this team is headed there's so many things we're doing right right now that we're getting better at and the moment everything clicks and our legs and our minds are there and we're healthy and guys are locked in I think it's going to go very very well mention that Utah is is a very tough place to play obviously we would have loved to have uh, gotten that win there. It's one of the toughest places to play, but we did so many good things today. The only reason we didn't win was because, wasn't because we didn't execute the game plan or didn't defend hard. We just didn't make shots. We just have to keep working. And that kind of goes to what Doc Rivers said too in his post game that, you know, um, we, we should have been up more and Giannis should have had more assists he kind of joked that Giannis could have had 30 assists he should have at least had 20 but we just weren't making shots we couldn't have scripted better shots but everything was missing short as Doc Rivers said in his post game which without saying it is basically saying look I I like the way the guys played we were just tired and I think you saw that in the fourth quarter um and look it's not as if the Bucks played perfectly and still lost the game fatigue was a big part of it right uh, but we mentioned you really missed Brooke Lopez in that fourth quarter because the Jazz were just attacking the paint. And they just kept running that same lob play over and over when you saw there's no rim protection. If we can pull Giannis away from the basket, we're going to have these advantages here. And that's one of the things about Bobby Portis getting the start and, and having to play him with no Brooke Lopez. There is good that Bobby Portis brings, but he's not going to bring you rim protection. And that's all on Giannis. Doc had mentioned too, I, I probably should have played Robin Lopez more if for no other reason than to get rest for some more guys. And I thought we played well when he was out there, but that was really the biggest adjustment that you would look at that, you know, this team, they ran out of gas. The jazz found something that the bucks just didn't have an answer for with that lack of size. And look, when you're not making shots too, that's the other part is you can't get set defensively. And I I think the bucks have done a much better job in transition on their defense but it just puts even more stress on you when you're not making shots and you have to scramble back in transition to defend. 
consistently like that that makes it a lot more difficult to play defense it's it's easier when you're able to get set um they're taking the ball out the net but when they're getting the ball up and rebound and they're running like you have to get back as well so i mean the small ball i i did enjoy what we saw but against utah that's a team where they have so much size where it's a little bit harder to get that off well as against dallas you're like this works because they have a smaller front court as it is. Um, so you can take advantage of things like going small has its advantages where you can have Giannis at the five. And if you are looking to trap an offensive player like they were against Dallas, where when Luka gets the ball, we're blitzing, we're trapping, and it's coming from various directions, having Giannis at the five uh, uh, provides more flexibility than what Brooke Lopez can do in that situation. But that's the thing. And we saw that during the championship year with the Bucks, where you want to have different punches to throw, different pitches to throw uh, at opposing offenses with your scheme. You want to be versatile in what you're able to do, depending on what you're up against. And we can see the the start of what the small ball lineup might be able to do for the Bucks, but you also see the need for a big like Brooke Lopez on this team uh, to provide some more front court uh, defense as well as rebounding. And we know Brooke's rebounding numbers tend to be low. Uh, but again, he does box out. He provides opportunities for his teammates to grab those boards and continue on. So he was missed against Utah in a big way, no pun intended, but I'm not disappointed with what I've seen. And it just gives me a little bit more hope about what we might see the Bucks roll out schematically um, over the next well, rest of the season under Doc. Some interesting comments. Uh, we just gave you those from Giannis, but from Doc as well about the defense and what he's seen from these guys that we heard after that game in Utah. We'll get to those. And look, you can't say that this team doesn't look different. And there's some numbers that back it up. So we'll get into that on the other side of this break as well. After this, Unlocked on Bucks. Well, today's Locked on Bucks is brought to you by Quiz. And quiz, you may be asking, what is quiz? Well, it's the way to test your knowledge and your trivia about the Milwaukee Bucks. For example, if I were to ask you, what is the nickname of the Bucks mascot? Bango, Bucko, Antler, Hornsby, a couple of interesting names on there, but obviously any Bucks fan would know that it is Bango. These are the types of questions that you can play about the Bucks, about any other team out there as well. When you jump into the quiz world, that's quiz with three eyes. It is the next generation trivia experience and also the world's first platform where you can earn money playing knowledge games. And for locked on bucks fans, they've created that NBA quiz game where you can test your knowledge and win real cash. You can play with friends or other fans and let your knowledge shine all the way to the bank. You can even play without downloading anything. Just go to app.quiz. Remember, there's three eyes in quiz.com and start playing today. NBA quiz is the ultimate knowledge challenge for fans that live and breathe basketball. Go to app.quiz.com to test your knowledge and win cash today. That's quiz with three eyes, just like a three pointer. Play now, showcase your skills, and take home cash prizes. App.quiz.com, where fans become champions. We should remind you as well that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today. It is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts you have come to expect from Locked On 
plus our national shows that cover every single league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, Camille, I mentioned you can't say this team doesn't look different. And I had um, made the mistake, I suppose, of perusing some national shows about the Bucks and their uh, growth or lack thereof in these commentators' eyes. And, I mean, it, it just floors me that you can say I, this team is not headed in the right direction. I know it's a very small sample, but it's pretty clear this team looks differently defensively. And, and we've pointed to a number of times, 10, 20, somewhere around there is the sample size you really strive for. Unfortunately, we don't have that yet. But what we do have is enough to see, I like where this is headed. What we talked about in Utah and certainly what we talked about in Dallas, when I know there was no Kyrie Irving, a couple of starters down for the Mavs, but you still held Dallas to 73 points over the final three quarters of that game. And Doc Rivers, after the game last night, too, said, we are playing hard defensively now. You can see that visually, but you can also see the guys are getting fatigued. It is taking some out of us. I might need to add one more guy to the rotation for the time being because they're not used to doing it yet. But our goal is to build up that intensity with a short rotation because that's what the playoffs are. We're not quite there yet. So I don't know if that was a jab at the previous coaching staff of, you know, look, they didn't push themselves that hard defensively, but we're doing it now. But, you know, to Doc's point, I think that's the biggest takeaway is there's some numbers we'll get to in a moment that do back up that this team looks different. But you can see it, too, in watching these games. Of I'm not going to question the effort or the intensity but it just looks like a better product on that end of the floor. It does. And the the minutes piece is so interesting to me because under Griffin, I was like, oh, wait, hey, guys are playing some some heavier minutes mm -hmm. than what they're used to. Like Brooke Lopez was one guy in particular where I was looking at his minute load under Griffin. And I'm like, wow, like I know he was Iron Man under Bud in the sense that he played like every game outside of when he was injured. But he's putting a lot of minutes on his body right now at an at an older age uh, than he's ever been because that's how time works. But um, with this particular team and Doc and hearing him saying like, I'm here to try to get playoff rotations down and to get guys ready and accustomed to what that minute low is going to look like while expecting for them to keep up a level of defensive intensity um, that they haven't been accustomed to so far this season. And it made me just think back before Griff, just to how Bud wanted to coach this team. And he was somebody who prided um, on getting guys through the regular season healthy. He's trying to find ways to have guys play um, as few minutes as they can while, you know, being conditioned and so on and so forth, which heading into the playoffs, we always were like, hey, how quickly are guys going to be able to ramp up uh, to this minute load here? And Doc has a different perspective. Uh, it's more in alignment with uh, what we saw with Griff, but with a different emphasis here and expecting guys to be exerting a lot more energy on a defensive end um, than what we saw them do with Griff. So that's going to be a learning experience for the team. And with him looking to expand the lineup a little bit more until guys get ready, I do wonder how that fits in. One, I mean, we have a trade deadline coming up this week. So the team, I think, will look different uh, come Friday morning. But until then, Doc has mentioned the part of the, uh, the challenge of coming into a team with young guys that you're not familiar with. You know, at least with the vets, I've played against them. I know them. I know what to expect from them. But the younger guys, I know nothing about what they can contribute or what they can do because I'm coming in in the middle of the season. So I'm learning this on the fly. So we've seen A.J. Green get some minutes, and I have wondered if there's a chance for Marjan or Andre Jackson Jr. to be able to crack 
the rotation a bit more as Doc becomes more familiar, at least during this regular season run here while guys are still rounding into what playoff shape will look like for this team. But uh, something interesting to keep an eye on. And uh, A.J. Green, to that point, and, and Doc had said at his introductory press conference, one of these guys is going to play. Yep. They're going to have to play. And I believe it was after the Mavs game, too, or, or before the Jazz game, he had added, too, you know, I said one, it might be two. Like, we might need two of these guys to play, and, and we may see something in two of them. And I do wonder if the play we've seen from A.J. Green recently is what prompted Doc to say, well, maybe this guy is one of those guys. And then there's a spot between Marjan and Andre Jackson Jr., but I thought, you know, you're obviously not expecting A.J. Green to be a defensive stopper. I thought he looked adequate defensively yeah, well. over the weekend. And he, the rebounding ability that he showed, too, was what jumped off the page most in that game against the Jazz. So if he's going to do those things, it all of a sudden becomes a conversation of, is this guy one of those pieces with his shooting ability? And especially when you have Giannis and Dame on the floor, the looks that he's going to get, uh, that's one of the interesting pieces to monitor moving forward for this team. And as you alluded to as well, especially given Thursday is the trade deadline and who knows what that's going to bring as, as we both anticipate, there's going to be some type of change on this roster, but you don't have a whole lot of pieces to move. There's the obvious names that people are going to get to, um, but it's probably going to cost you draft capital and young players too. And the bucks obviously don't have a whole lot of draft capital. So that opens the conversation to guys like Andre Jackson, Jr., and Marshawn Bochamp, which in turn could create even more playing time for uh, for A.J. Green moving forward. Those numbers that I referenced, um, too. So again, this is just seven games, and it's, it's not anything to have a, a concrete base for, but it does match the eye test, and it does leave you feeling like, okay, this, this is lining up with what it feels like we're seeing. The offense has been mediocre. Since this change, They're, they've been 15th best in the league. Um, but defensively, what they're doing there, they're 11th best, according to cleaning the glass with the garbage time um, taken out of the mix. 11th best in defensive efficiency, 13th in turnover percentage, which I know Frank mentioned this over the weekend as well. They were dead last under Adrian Griffin, and that was one of the staples of that defense that was coming here is we're going to be a high-pressure defense that causes turnovers, and they weren't. But in these seven games played since, they're 13th best at causing those turnovers and sixth best on the defensive glass. So I think we all pointed to, if you can improve your defensive rebounding and if you can improve your transition defense, it may not be elite, but the defense will be better. And it's probably going to be closer to league average or slightly better than. And that's exactly what we've seen. I mean, even going back to Utah in the first half, I think the Bucs had four turnovers. The Jazz had zero points off of turnovers, which, again, speaks to they're doing a much better job getting back in transition and playing defense. And it's not all Doc Rivers. Some of it was those three games with Joe Prunty. But this group has looked much better defensively since the change was made. They have, and that's what we've been touching on a little bit throughout this episode. So I'm glad the numbers do back up the eye test. I always love it when that happens. And you're like, okay, I am seeing what I think that I'm seeing in the moment. And it's so interesting that that's what we're seeing, given the fact that the Bucks under Doc are one in three. Uh, but I feel so much more confident about the process in which the Bucks are attacking games than I did previously with Griffin, where it felt like in reports were saying that a lot of it was talent with the guys on the floor, just kind of figuring it out, calling their own plays, doing what they need to do um, in order to try to find a way to win a game again. 
first half of the season, Bucks had one of the easiest schedules in the league. So I think that should also be noted. Um, whereas at this point in the season, uh, now that we've played a couple of games, we've gotten the defending champions out the way. We've gotten the Mavericks out the way, Utah. Uh, now the Bucks have the second toughest remaining schedule left in the NBA. So again, new coach coming in during a very, very tough part of the schedule where you're not having much time to practice and install things. You're going to be using games for practice to help uh, put these concepts together. And we saw proof of that in that Mavericks game where the day before in shoot around, they were implementing how to effectively run uh, that defense where they are putting pressure on a single player, that trapping, that blitzing, um, and where to come from with that and how to rotate on the back end, which was a big problem for the Bucs. I used to say that the way to break down the Bucs defense, penetration, causing the scramble, someone's going to get lost. And from there, you should be able to find an open shooter. But the Bucs have been a bit tighter when it comes to the rotations and the scrambling, which comes down to communication. I love the report I saw where Doc mentioned the fact that they had a silent practice in regards to the coaches, where coaches could not speak. And it was on the players to communicate throughout the entire session. And how at the beginning they were kind of confused and not talking, but as they figured out the coaches weren't going to be providing any input, they had to speak, they had to communicate. And Doc said something that was just like, wow, this is so simple, but like so profound in the same sense where he mentioned that this was a low communication team prior to me getting here. And the guys would admit that as well. And generally speaking, when you're low communication, you're not talking because you don't know where you should be or where other guys should be at. Um, so we have to make sure guys are aware of their assignments, know what they should be doing so that they can communicate and play better. And you've been seeing the early return to that, and they look pretty good um, in comparison to what we were seeing earlier. Again, very small sample size, a lot more season to go, and the competition is going to be very high. So um, it's it's an interesting time for this Milwaukee Bucks team with a lot of change uh, while trying to implement things on the fly. Yeah, and like they – the hole that they dug, not that it's insurmountable in terms of their ratings. Um, but the reality is you're probably not going to finish the season with a defensive rating any higher than 14th, 13th, somewhere around that range is probably the max of what the Bucks can get to given where they currently sit um, as it stands. So it's, it's like what, just as we talked about earlier in the season with those numbers since November 3rd, that we would so often point to, it's going to be since January 24th or yeah. since February 1st, maybe, um, of what this team has looked like. And if those numbers are somewhere around that 12, 13 defensively and your offense is still in the top 10 and elite, that's really what you're looking for uh, going forward for this group. Because even with those changes, now you're up to 19th in uh, defensive efficiency. And you've started to, to carve out a little bit of a path where you're not that far behind the teams that are directly in front of you, but it's going to take a lot of work to move into that top 15 and even beyond that, where you have the Bulls and the Miami Heat. That is basically three points per 100 possessions that you're going to have to make up. So you're going to have to play like an elite unit to start to climb up uh, that high for this defense. We mentioned one of the other big things from this week is the trade deadline. It is Thursday. Uh, we have some news on that that we'll get into, but also there were some reports that came out today and a hat tip to our friend, Eric name who pondered this just a couple of days ago. And now we see more uh, sourced reporting saying, Hey, this could be a possibility. And it's one of those things, Camille, that I'm very interested to gauge the reaction of bucks fans. So we'll take a look at that rumored potential deal and the latest chatter as we move towards the trade deadline coming up after the break on locked on bucks. 
Well, this episode of Locked On Bucks is brought to you by BetterHelp, and they can find how to get you right there. Uh, you can find that help that you need through BetterHelp. Maybe you've finally organized one part of your space or something in your life, and you want to move on to another. Maybe you're taking supplements every morning, and now you want to actually find other nutrients and build out your diet as well. Therapy can help you find your strength so you can ditch those extreme resolutions we all jump to this time of year and make changes that really stick. BetterHelp is here for you if you're starting of thinking therapy, if you're starting to think giving therapy a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire from there, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It is very easy. It is convenient and tailored to your schedule here to improve whatever it is in your life you're looking to push above the finish line. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on nba l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-b-a and happy super bowl week to everybody that celebrates from FanDuel, america's number one sports book if you're like us super bowl sunday it's all about finding the best seat on the couch finding your favorite football snacks, maybe even placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, any type of prop you can think of. Uh, you name it, FanDuel has that and much, much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the NFL. Well, Camille, that uh, rumor reports that we referenced earlier. <laughs> Was a very interesting one. So um, a couple of people, and, and we mentioned Eric Name went through, I don't know if I'd say hypotheticals. These are more sourced than just throwing things out into the wind, but possible. What about this for a trade? Trying to basically set the table of here's what you can expect and here's the realistic options the Bucks will have. One of those revolved around Grant Williams of the Dallas Mavericks. And now we see reports come out earlier today that the Bucks have reportedly had preliminary discussions with the Dallas Mavericks in a move that would send Grant Williams to the Bucks in exchange for Bobby Portis. Now, the contracts are almost identical in their annual value this year, but Grant Williams has more years on that deal. I believe three more years that he signed. Um, Bobby Portis has this year and next year, so that's one of the big differences Grant Williams has, I think it's fair to say, underperformed so far in Dallas to the expectations that they had. But Grant Williams is a younger player. And I know people are going to blush at, I think it's four years, 53 million. That's fully guaranteed of, man, that's a lot of money if you're not performing. 
Maybe, but I would also counter with, look, $13 million for a guy that's still young, 25 years old, that you think is a rotational piece. That is not a lot of money in this day and age of the NBA. Uh, I would assume there would be more to it than just Grant for Bobby, but certainly interesting. You know the reaction is going to be mixed at best, given Bobby Portis's standing with Bucks fans, and given the fact that it's Grant Williams who was one of the more hated mm-hmm. opponents the Bucks have faced in the last few years. Mixed at best is a very like friendly way to put what the reaction might be. Whenever something was bad, to say, huh, well, you tried. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so it's it's a few different pieces to look at with this proposed trade that's floating out there. I did see that Mark Stein came back and mentioned the fact that uh, with these the conversations that Milwaukee is unwilling to do just a straight up one for one trade. Milwaukee yeah, will want as they should more exactly more back because Grant has had a down year so far. He's been a bit disappointing in Dallas, but the question comes down to. What does this team need and what do each of these players provide? Which one of them gets you closer to what you actually need from a rotational bench for coming off of the bench? And it's Bobby. Listen, Bobby is always going to be good in the city of Milwaukee. Uh, People felt that way about PJ Tucker still do. And what Bobby has done over the last few years with him being the mayor of the city, how much love he's gotten. Like I can understand the initial like knee jerk reaction of being like, no. Not going to consider it. Uh, but what you look at what the team needs, Bobby Portis is a big who's going to come in and he's going to try to get you buckets. We've talked about the Bucks bench scoring and it pretty much comes and goes as Bobby Portis does. If it's a bad Bobby Portis game, then you're not probably going to get too many points from your bench. But if, Bobby's if it's a good a Bobby Portis game, you're still not getting enough from your bench. Exactly. Exactly. So like it's 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 a back and forth. And what does this team need? We've been talking about defense, 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 defense. It's a top heavy team. So if you're going to roll out uh, offensive changes, which Doc has mentioned, wanting the ball in Dame's hands more, finding ways to make him more comfortable in the offense. Like I think it's of the utmost importance to f- figure out a way to get Dame comfortable enough where his shooting performances can be more consistent. That's been my biggest problem with Dame so far. It's just the inconsistency of the shooting. So if you're looking for your offensive load to come from your starters, from your Dame, from your Giannis, from your Chris, from your Brooke, from your Beasley, okay, so then let's surround these guys with the defense. Because again, once you talk about uh, your playoff lineups, you're looking at seven, eight-man rotations. So who are those three guys coming off the bench and what are they providing for you? If you're getting your offense from your starters, then I think it does make sense to lean more heavily defensively uh, on your bench and those guys who are going to be part of the rotation. You, of course, will love for them to be able to knock down an open shot. And Bucks fans, remember, uh, Grant Williams knocking down a bunch of open shots against the Bucks in the playoffs. And the numbers haven't been as consistent this year for him either so far. But again, again, he's actually playing with Luka, someone else who's going to draw a lot of attention get you a lot of open looks. So I don't think that he's going to see necessarily more open looks uh, here in Milwaukee than what he's already been accustomed to. So you would hope the shooting continues to improve, but like just the concept of what Grant Williams provides a a defender who can, you can move around a little bit um, and then someone who can knock down open shots. Theoretically, I think that concept of a player fits more neatly with what the Bucks need than what Bobby Portis does provide. And again, that's not me saying that, you know, Bobby is trash or, He's invaluable. He's actually a very valuable piece, which is, again, why this wouldn't be a straight-up one-for-one trade like 
the Bucks would get more back than just Grant Williams. But um, when you think about the type of players they are and what the Bucks need, I can see why this is something that's floating out there as a possibility. Well, and look, also because Grant Williams is, I believe, 25 years old, too, as, as we referenced. And um, number one, this is an old team. So yeah. as we've talked about through the course of this season, and, and we talked at, at length about guys like Marjan and Andre Jackson Jr. and the importance of developing them because of the age of this group. But same would apply to Grant Williams, of you would be getting younger at least there. And as we talked about a couple of minutes ago, when Doc is, I wouldn't even say hinted, he has basically hit us over the head with, look, I go very, very short rotations yep. once the playoffs uh, get here. Somebody asked him, um, I think it was after the the Denver game, his first game, about the rotations and why did you uh, play nine guys or, or something along those lines. And, and the question was basically of why did you only play that many? And Doc took it as why did you play that many and said <laughs> because it's not the playoffs that we're going to play more guys. So that gives you the insights of I don't know what that means for Bobby Portis and for Pat Connaughton. Not to say that Bobby would be out of the rotation altogether, but you're going to ride your starters and you're going to yeah. trim down those rotations even more. And to that point you made, you know Giannis and Dame are going to play a lot and you're going to be getting offense there. We saw Chris Middleton play 38 minutes against the Dallas Mavericks, a season high that you figure they trust him now that with that time off between games and the playoffs, he's going to play a lot of minutes and we're getting offense from those guys. We need somebody that can help us play different defensively. And that again, not to make the comparison to PJ Tucker, because it's, it's like a, a favorite national pastime for Bucks fans now, but it gives you some of those things in theory, if Grant Williams can be the guy that he was even last year, but certainly two years ago at his best, he gives you a lot of those things where you can play him at the four. You can play him next to Giannis. He can space the floor specifically in the corners and he can defend and switch a little bit. And, and those are the things that this team really, really needs. So uh, I, I know there was probably a lot of panic from Bucks fans when they saw that name and saw Bobby Portis, uh, that report from Mark Stein, Mark Stein, as we said, the Bucks shouldn't do that as a one for one that you're taking on more money and yes, you're getting younger, but Bobby Portis has a lot of value in the league because he can still rebound and score, and he's a big, and it's a position where that is a premium. So there's some value there. So if you're the Bucks and you feel like this helps you, you get younger, and I would assume you can get some draft capital, whether that's anything substantial. I, I wouldn't expect it to be, hypothetically speaking, if this deal moves forward, I wouldn't expect it to be the Bucks get a first-round pick out of this. But right. if you can get more second-rounders, and then use that with something else to, to add to what you already have and make another move. That's another thing to keep an eye on um, for this Bucks team. So I would imagine those are the types of names that we're going to hear. Maybe not anything major per se, but guys that are going to help you defensively and then are going to fit the way that Doc Rivers really wants to play more. And that's let's showcase Giannis and Damian Lillard. Let's Let's try to get Dame unlocked even more so and get the ball in his hands a little bit more and find guys that can fit in around that and maybe don't need the ball and don't need to score, but they're going to give us value in uh, in some other areas. Um, we we mentioned, too, some news. We are going to do a live show on Thursday to recap whatever it is that happens at the trade deadline. So if it's a quiet day and the Bucks do nothing and there's moves made around the East, 
We'll do a show just after the uh, deadline passes to to recap where we stand there. If there are a lot of moves and if the Bucks make a move earlier, maybe we'll do two shows and do a, a quick recap of what's happened. And then once everything is settled and dust is cleared, we'll do one there as well. But we will do at least one live show on Thursday as the trade deadline is uh, going down to see what happens. Because as, as we've discussed, Camille, this could be it for not just the Bucks. A lot of teams that are in that second apron of this is our last chance to really do anything with all those handcuffs that are placed on us this summer. One thing about that, what what the news coming out of the L.A. with the Lakers that Vanderbilt's going to be missing a significant piece of the season, I was texting some of the Tech File guys, and I was just like, man, like because we have a guy on our show who's a Lakers fan, and I was like, that's your best perimeter defender. And he's like, absolutely, like that's a that's a big blow for us. And Eric mentioned the fact that now the Lakers are another team who's going to be in the hunt for another player similar to what the Bucks are looking for um, with a guy who can defend on the perimeter. So I'm looking forward to the trade deadline because uh, we I feel like the Bucs are going to do something. All reports have come out have said the Bucs have been aggressive uh, pursuing some additional uh, help at the deadline. So something should be happening, I would think. Um, and with John Horst history, even though the Bucs have limited assets, we have seen him uh, make a dollar out of 15 cents a few times when it comes to finding guys to be able to trade in order to make a move that he thinks theoretically can improve the Bucs. And I think we'll continue to see that with this team and there are going to be a lot of other teams looking to load up as well because of the cap impl implications coming up along the road and the fact that again it feels like it's a wide open seat like open year like there's nobody where you're like hey I don't think we can do it this year or this team is too dominant we should just punt for next year like everybody who's looking to compete and who are competing feels as if they have a shot to win it all and we need to also keep an eye on what the Knicks do what the Cavs do, these teams who are kind of behind yeah. us, who have been making moves, um, but they're close behind us in the standings, and a move could set them over the edge and help uh, have them race up the standings, have the Bucks fall, uh, which can have some very big playoff implications when it comes to the matchups and who has home court and things of that sort. So, yeah, it's, it's a big week here to see how things are going to shake out for a lot of these teams. And uh, speaking of the Cavs, uh, depending on how you choose to view it, the Cavs have already caught the Bucs. They're 16 games in the loss column. The Bucs are at 17. So, um, look, that, that's why oftentimes we point to how many games back in the loss column because you can't make up losses. Those are there. You can't scrub them away. And right now the Cavs have fewer losses than the Bucs. Cavs and the Knicks have been two of the best teams along with the Clippers in the league since January 1st. And that's the last bullet point that, that we have here, Camille, is I, I don't know – how strongly to word this disaster or doomsday scenario. But one thing that does give me a little concern is um, the schedule that the Bucks are going through in the midst of a very, very difficult stretch. And, and look, we, we tried to calm everybody down at the start and said, ah, we're seeing the signs. It looks better. They're getting there. Giannis said the same thing, but, you can't lose hold of the rope too much here because, yeah. as we mentioned, the Cavs are coming on strong. They've passed you in the loss column. They're only a half game back in the overall standings, and they're playing tonight. So when we wake up tomorrow, the Bucks and the Cavs could be tied for second place in the Eastern Conference. Cavs have a better divisional record, too. That's that's the other thing is the Bucks are 9-7 and seven in the division this year, in a yeah. division they used to dominate. And now they've basically been 500 because of the resurgence of the Cavs and uh, the Indiana Pacers. Um, 
But then you have the Knicks, who have looked incredible since acquiring OG Ananobi as well. They still have one game left with the Bucs. They're a game back of the Bucs, and yeah. the Knicks may not be done with the moves that they make. I point all this out because the news that we received over the weekend about Joel Embiid, who knows when Joel Embiid is going to return to the floors. The Sixers have been very obtuse through this whole thing, refusing to call it a tear in his meniscus, and now no timeline on, on what it's going to take for him to come back. Um, but at the very least, going off of the type of surgery that it is and what Ramona Shelburne had talked about earlier in the season, I would guess this is five to six weeks at the earliest before we see Joel Embiid back in all likelihood. So that would put you to right around the time that you're getting ready for the playoffs, that maybe you have a week or two and the playoffs are here. Sixers have a very difficult schedule left as well. I would be surprised if the Sixers move up out of the fifth spot right now, given the absence of Embiid and the schedule they have in front of them and the fact that the Cavs and the Knicks have easier schedules. I think the Cavs have the ninth or 10th easiest remaining. The Knicks are right in the middle of the pack. And I point all this out because if those two teams do continue to stay on this pace and move past the Bucks, and you're looking at the possibility of a scenario where you finish fourth mm -hmm. and your first round opponent is the Sixers with a newly returned Joel Embiid. And if you get through that, then you have the Boston Celtics. And if you get through that, then you have the team that's on the other side of that uh, bracket. And if you get through that, then you have the West winner that, you know, a couple of years ago, we talked about the path that the Bucks could potentially have yep. when it was three teams that we were looking at. Um, but this would be the most difficult path that I could imagine of that threat of, hey, if Joel Embiid comes back and they're the five seed and he looks healthy for the playoffs, that's terrifying, knowing you go through that in the first round and then the Celtics in the second round. So it it puts even more pressure on you to, hey, I, I know we said you're figuring it out, you look better, but you need to start winning these games when the schedule's very, very tough. Yeah, you got to start getting those wins, which is part of why, again, that Portland game was a disappointment where you're like, hey, this is one of the ones on the road where you're like, we should have gotten this game. We kind of need this game. So it's really disappointing to lose a game like that on this West Coast road trip. And I agree with everything you said. So I'll just end it here. Toughest schedules remaining in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Boston has the second easiest schedule yeah. in the whole league to finish out. So that one seed that they have, they'll probably remain in control of that. By a wide margin, probably. Yeah, I would think so. The Pacers have the third easiest schedule remaining uh, in the league. Uh, the Miami Heat have the fifth easiest schedule. And then yeah. you look at Cleveland, who has the 10th. Uh, the Knicks, they have the 14th most difficult, so they're kind of in the middle there. And then, again, that's everybody who's around you for the most part. And then, again, the Bucks have the second toughest remaining schedule left. So uh, those the process has to start uh, showing some results eventually because we cannot afford to lose uh, too many more games along the way, which makes this difficult because you're seeing improvement. Um, but looking at the standings, it's so great they were able to build up those games during the first half of the season because they had a little cushion um, where you have a little forgiveness, a little leeway, but now it's going to start tightening up, especially once we get back from all-star break. Like it's, it's game on at that point. Yeah. And real quick too, you mentioned the Pacers and the heat and their um, ease of schedule left. The the good news there is um, that those teams are still, I think five and six mm -hmm. back of that group in the loss column. So that's the positive is, 
yeah, it's it's easier than than what the Bucks and the Sixers have, but they got a lot of ground to make up. And look, it it adds even more importance to the fact that the Bucks beat the Knicks as many times as they did earlier in this season. For as much attention as we put on losing the season series to the Pacers, you at least own that season series against the Knicks. And a disappointing loss in Cleveland and in no show where you're blown off the floor, that would have given you the same with the Cavs. So at the very least, you split with them. But look, it, there's a lot of layers to why we've said it's a very, very difficult schedule and stretch in front of the Bucks here. And it doesn't get any easier in Phoenix against the Suns team that looks very much rejuvenated. They're what, 14 and 15, and now I think they're 29 and 21 or something like that. Um, and no coincidence that their three stars are healthy. And Bradley Beal just scored 43 over the weekend. So it is going to be a challenge in Phoenix. Uh, Suns have yet to submit their injury report, by the way, but the Bucks have submitted their initial injury report. And uh, the good news is Brooke Lopez is listed as questionable. So he has not been ruled out. So you may have Brooke back for that game. Um, we will have a post-game show against the Suns. It's going to be late, so we're not quite sure <laughs> when the post game will be, but we'll have a recap of that Suns game. And again, the very next day, we will have uh, at least one live show recapping the trade deadline. So uh, be sure to subscribe and be on the lookout for that. For Camille, I'm Justin, and we will talk to you once again tomorrow on Locked on Bucks.